greetings, and welcome back to another episode of Tell Me About It. I'm Jade Iovine, and I'm so excited to share today's episode with you. Katie Storino. There truly aren't enough good things I can say about this woman. Katie is one of the coolest, most uplifting people I've met in a long, long time. She's self-possessed and positive in the most calming way. She's someone I desperately wish I'd had to look up to when I was younger, but boy am I glad we all have her to inspire us now. She's able to take a typically nauseating topic like empowerment and make it seem actually achievable and real. Without all the daily affirmations, paying $6,000 for a retreat, or shouting it from the rooftops like you hear all the time. Her fight for size inclusivity is inspiring, and following her on Instagram is almost as fun as sitting with her face-to-face. Katie is strong, wise, and fortunately for all of us, never shies away from hard topics. We talked about getting divorced at 31, our shared anxiety, how we cope, and what it's like to feel like you don't quite fit in the box society tries to keep us in, both figuratively and literally. Katie Storino is an entrepreneur, digital influencer, and body acceptance advocate. Through her Instagram, at Katie Storino and katiestorino.com, she lends her voice and personal style to raise awareness for size inclusivity, empowering women of all sizes to find their confidence and celebrate their style. You'll hear us talk about her initiatives, hashtag supersize the look and hashtag make my size that have gone viral, reaching millions across the globe. Katie is also the founder of Megababe, an innovative beauty brand offering non-toxic, solution-oriented products that allow people to feel more confident and comfortable in their own skin. Most recently, Katie launched Boob Sweat, a weekly podcast that tackles often taboo topics such as dating in your 30s, Botox, and divorce. This coming May, Katie will release her first book, Body Talk, an illustrated workbook that tackles how women everywhere have a bad relationship with their body, though in the end, it's not their fault. I loved every minute of this conversation, and I know you will too. So now let's get right to it. Here is Katie Storino. Hi, Katie. Hello. Hello again. I know we've been talking for a minute, but hi. Um, <laughs> first, can I just tell you before we hopped on, if I'm being totally honest, I was like Instagram stalking you for days, obviously, but I was watching your husband's facial for the five minutes before this podcast recording. What a great facial. It was like a real, yes. from like, Yes, it's it's because the man's skin had never seen the hands of an esthetician and he got some deep cuts. He got some good ones. Like I yeah. love Dr. Pimple Popper and all of those kinds yes, of things. Same. But like not when it involves other colors than like white and yellow. Yes. You know what I mean? When yes. when they get like blue and I'm like, that's like where I draw the line. I need it simple. Yeah. I just watched your husband's and I was like, ooh, <laughs> just five minutes before this. Um, so I just thought I'd mention. But I, I already love you because I found out you're a Sagittarius. And so oh, am I. Yes. Yes. Oh my God, we're Sag hoes. I love, like, Sagittarius energy is just always fun and bold. Yeah. And yes. Yeah. I know. I love a Sag. I mean, if I do say so myself. Can you tell everyone really quickly about your dogs? Yeah. I, well, right now I, it's so funny. 
people are like, I have one dog. His name is like Jeffrey and I've had him for 15 years. But yeah. Um, because we do a lot of senior rescue and all of the, all of the dogs that I've had, um, for the past 10 years have all been former puppy mill dogs, which is like factory right. farming for, for dogs. Right. Um, they, I've, I've gone through a lot of dogs in the yeah. past 10 years. Right. And so the- I've, I started with, I had a dog named Toast and she didn't have any teeth and her tongue stuck out. And so I, she became famous on the internet, which was really exciting and really fun. And then we had Muppet who just passed away this year, Pants, oh. Underpants, who oh, also I passed away. That. I know it's like kind of a depressing thing, but, yeah. um, and Sock passed away, but, um, we do currently have Cheese. Oh. And Cheese is holding it down. And Cheese is loving cheese. Florida. Oh. Cheese is an English toy spaniel. She has a smushed face and her tongue also sticks out. And she so is just a sweet baby. And, and we got and her. You can follow them. You can follow them at Dog, Dog Meets World. Yes. It started off as Toast Meets World, right? Yes. Yeah. And then you were on Real Housewives, famously, yes. for her wedding. Yes. Ramona Singer cut my wedding cake or cut yes. Toast's wedding cake. I remember Never very over well. it. Do you, does Cheese sleep with you? No. No. See, that's, that's key. My dog sleeps with yeah. me and it's intense. What, what kind Taco. of dog do you have? It's a pug. His name's Taco. Oh, cute. Yeah. Okay. But Same he, vibe for names. Yeah, definitely. Same vibe. But like he, he's a force. I mean, he demands to be felt. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like the three of us in bed. It's like, not like my dog just sleeps at like the end of the bed. It's like fully. Yes. You know what I mean? Snoring. Oh my God. Yes. But like, that's become like more like white noise. Like I don't notice it as much. It's more so Uh, like if we're trying to have sex or something, like it's very weird, you know? Oh, cheese loves to watch. Really? You let her, is it a boy or girl? No, I don't let her do anything. She just is like, I'm like, can you get out of here? Yeah. It's very weird. They just stare at you. So like interested, but just like also horrified. You don't know what they are. You know, it's very weird. Um, well, I'm really excited to talk to you. Like we have a lot to cover. There are so many things that we can talk about, but I want to start out by talking about your twenties. I like to start out all these episodes talking about your twenties. Cause I just feel like your twenties are fucking hard as hell and yes. crazy. And you just are constantly comparing yourselves to other people and battling your self-worth. And it's tough to navigate that decade. Mm. And I'm 27. So I'm not out of the woods yet, but I'm like, inching towards being out of the woods yeah but I want to know like who was Katie at 25 (laughs) well first of all I don't think that that unfortunately that doesn't end when you turn 30 uh I think it I think you just start to hopefully you start to do some of the work to pull yourself out of that mindset which is what happened with me Katie at 25 was someone who you know what it's so funny I, I think I met my ex-husband at 25, mm. and I think it's almost like I hit pause for 10 years. Mm. And the person I was then is very much the person I am now, or like would want to be now. Like I'm a business owner, my my business mega babe, and yes. um I get to I get to help women feel good about themselves and I'm I'm outgoing. I get to play with clothes. Like Mm -hmm. these are all things that I, that I would have wanted to, and was interested in at 25 to do. I was very insecure about my body. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt that I missed out on opportunities or just wasn't good enough for a lot of things because I was bigger than most of the people that I saw in the fashion industry. Um, 
even though I was 75 pounds lighter than I am now, which is really a staggering number. And you still felt that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I think my 20s were definitely full of insecurities, but also what part of that insecurity means that I got swept up into a relationship that was not very healthy. Mm-hmm. So what, like, what were you doing for work at that time at 25? At 25, I actually, uh, I'm, I'm just an entrepreneur at heart. Yeah, and you've I start... had so many <laughs> careers and things. I was like, God damn it. How do I keep track of all the dates and everything? You have you packed 20s. I, I don't know any. I never know any dates. I, um, But I did, I started a PR company at 25. And by PR company, I just meant that I had been working in offices and at brands. And I loved the work. Mm-hmm. But I hated the environments. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to go do, do this my by own. myself. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people have been, probably made those changes in quarantine also, you know, yes. with work. Hopefully. Hopefully, yes. So what were your friendships like in that decade? Dramatic. Mm-hmm. So much drama. Yeah. I think you're always trying to change people, address an issue. Just a lot of drama. Yeah. Did you have like friendship breakups or do you have a lot of the same friends? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't think I'm friends with most of the people I was friends with in my 20s. I feel like that's refreshing to hear because I think so many people are like, you know, I I don't know. It's taboo to like talk about growing out of friendships and, you know, all of that. So what kind of romantic relationships were you in throughout your 20s? I know you met your ex-husband at 25. Were you in any before then? Uh, Yeah, I was in... I was actually in a lot of long-term relationships. And then in between long-term relationships, I was very single, meaning like out there. Yeah. Like I was just like meeting a lot of guys and open to it. Yeah. So you, so you did have a relationship before. Yes. I had a relationship. Um, I had three serious relationships before. Yeah. What? It's way on, (laughs) but I'm telling you. So like, so some of those lasted like a a year or two years. Yeah. And like, and then I had a college relationship for three years, but when I'm not in a relationship, I am down to party is what I'm trying to say. So it feels like I had so much single experience, Yeah. but I think that's because when I was single, I was like, you really did it. Yes. So did you spend your 20s in New York or yes. you're from Wisconsin, right? I'm from, yes. Oh my Girl, I looked I'm you from- up. I did the whole thing. <laughs> I have your number. I got it. Um, yeah, I'm from Wisconsin and I moved to New York right after college. And I did, and I did internships during college in New York. Like I, I interned at Chanel and I interned, oh, twice. I did two internships during the summers at Chanel. Mm-hmm. And that was because like I wasn't from a New York family or right. like, and I think that I think that people from the tri-state area take for granted that you can like intern and like live at your parents' house Mm -hmm. or like get a job or like your dad might work with you. So I really knew that I was going to have to work to get my foot in the door. And so I I really committed to that. Yeah. I just love New York. Yeah. Especially in your 20s, New York sounds like the place to be. Fun. Yeah. It is. Especially pre-COVID, like good time. Yeah. Super good time. Yeah. I'm jealous. I'm like, I want to relive my 20s just in New York and (laughs) go back. But I wondered, I want to go back to you saying like that now you kind of feel like who you were at 25. So do you feel like, are there any differences between who you are now and who you were at 25? What are some of the biggest ones? I think that I used to put people, I mean, I still do this to a certain extent. Like I might do it professionally with business, 
but I try, I think I figure it out a little bit quicker now, but I put people, I used to put people on pedestals and say, well, this person's perfect and this person's life is perfect. And I would let that be a reflection onto my own life right? and be like, well, I'll never be like that. And I'll never be like this. And it was just, I was caught in a compare snare, like constantly, Mm -hmm. but then, um, unfortunately, like through just living life, you realize like, oh, that person whose life I thought was perfect, like their life is actually kind of shitty. And I, I don't want their life to be shitty, but what it, what it does to discover that no one's life is perfect is that you stop trying to like achieve this certain mm-hmm. lifestyle. Absolutely. So you feel like you just compare yourself a little less now? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That is a more succinct way of saying that. Yes. <laughs> no, but yeah, because it's hard. I mean, when you're in your 20s, it, you don't know if you're supposed to be having kids or if you're supposed to be starting a career, if you're like, no. what the fuck you're supposed to be doing? So you just Geographically, look- it depends and, where you are, right? Exactly. Yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. No, I bet from Wisconsin, all your friends were getting married. Right? They all have, all my friends from Wisconsin have like, I mean, I, I like one of my best friends from home has like an eighth grade kid. Oh like, my God. What? Holy yeah. shit. That's crazy. That is nuts. So you were in a relationship for like from 25. How long did that relationship last? Uh, 10, 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What yeah. a transformation you must've had from beginning to end. Yes. I mean, from beginning to end, I think, unfortunately, the tra- <laughs> I think um, most of that transformation was just like a slow dulling of my spirit. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. and I didn't know that. And then um, when my marriage ended, I like at at really at 35, mm-hmm. like I was like, holy shit, like yeah. I'm starting over. How did you realize, though, that it was a dulling of your spirit that was based in the relationship versus, like, if it was just something that you had to work on? I think, like, a lot of women probably struggle with that. I think it was, like, well, fuck. I just, you know, I've done all this pretzeling, and I've bent myself into this person that I don't even know who I am, and uh, I was too in it. Like, people, you know, you can't see where you are, and I think people just, you can't you can't necessarily, you might have a feeling somewhere, but it's much easier to push away those feelings and say, well, I'm 34 and I'm married. Like, who am I to pull the plug on that? I mean, exactly. And I think that that's, it's so scary to think like life outside is probably felt like probably so much scarier than life, like in the relationship. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. I was like, I looked at that and I was like, single dating, dating apps. Like when I was, when I got into my, that relationship, there were no dating apps. Like, right. and also I was like, and I am, I'm plus size and I'm old and I'm, right. you know, I just, I just had all of these things that I was like, I guess I will just be alone forever yeah. or just these fears, right? Yeah, these like cliche course. fears. They, of course they just come in. It was just this feeling of like, you're, you're done. Oh, and how old were you when you got divorced? 34. Did you have friends that you knew like that were? None. Oh my God. So how isolating. It was the first one. Oh my God. Listen, things I did right with my divorce were I took my extreme anxiety, all the extra energy, all the fear, all the worry, and I channeled it into work Mm -hmm. because work was the only thing that was going well. Totally. So I went on to, I went and I I worked on my blog and my my Instagram platform and 
getting, I got a modeling contract and I started Mega Babe wow. and I did all of these things during this extremely low point of my life. Wow. Because I, I just leaned into what I, what brought me joy and what brought me joy was connecting with different women Yeah, about their body journeys and eventually making products that helped women feel more comfortable. So that's where the joy and the light were. And mm-hmm. that's where I went. Now I was right. in therapy. Okay. I did the work. Yeah. I saw an energist. I, I really put myself out there on dating apps. Like I did the work. Yeah. Cause I was going to say like how lucky for you that you are able to like, that's your coping mechanism is to work. Mine is yes. like chips uh, in the bed, oh, yeah. like hiding yes. from the yes. world. So you yes. had those moments too. Yes. I, okay. I smoked cigarettes. Beautiful. I like, yes. Like I definitely, I, I, I participated in risky dating behavior. Yes. Like I <laughs> definitely, like I would text people and be like, listen, a guy's coming over. I don't know who he is. Never met him. Never going to see him again. <laughs> yeah. But if I don't, you don't hear from me by 12, call the police. Right. So like, I mean, I definitely didn't do like, a, I wasn't like a shining example of perfection, but I did, I really did lean towards where my life had positivity and light. And Mm -hmm. I didn't, I tried really not to stay where things were negative. Mm -hmm. And that would have been to try to stay in that relationship, try to go get them back, try to like that just for me was not going to be helpful. Right. How long did the divorce process take all in all? About a year. Oh, that's, I mean, it's a long time still. I mean, I feel like it's yes. short in divorce terms, but it's, yeah. it's a long time. And yes. what were the dark days like? Like, first of all, do you think that having gone through both, do you think that a breakup and a divorce are comparable? No, because it's it, with a divorce, it's not the relationship angle. There's a loss and there's the feeling of failure, especially like young divorce with and, no right. kids when like you really didn't have any reason to fail and right. you were only married for a year and that kind of thing. That was embarrassing. And also the fact that it seemed that everyone knew he was cheating and that kind, that totally. kind of humiliation is something I'm still working through. Yeah. But so the difference between breakup versus divorce is that you, the breakup for the most part is emotional. And then Mm -hmm. the divorce gets into stigma Mm -hmm. and it gets into like your bank account. It gets into like, if you have any shared property, like also once you get married, like the mindset kind of is like, well, this is my life plan. Totally. And then your life is upended like completely. Yes. Yes. That's really, really hard. So how long did it take you from when you got divorced to like hopping back into dating and, you know, all that? He told me he was done around Thanksgiving and I put myself on dating apps the first week of December. That's so crazy that you, like you said, you didn't have, I mean, that you didn't have like dating apps and stuff before. So like, how'd you know how to navigate everything? I guess you have friends and stuff, but. Yeah, I had like, I totally had single friends for sure. And I, I also just like, like I said, when I'm single, I'm single. Right. And I really embraced that. So you have to rebuild emotionally and all of that, but also like you have to remember who you are and like that you, you know, just, and I had no idea. That's really hard. Yeah. So how do you do that? I mean, how does someone go from that low, low where you think like your husband finds you whatever, like unattractive and like feeling like shit. And then like, how do you rebuild therapy and doing the work mostly? 
therapy, doing the work. And this is probably controversial, but like I let a man shower me with like affection. Mm -hmm. Like, and this is, so if you, if you're single and you've been dating for a while, you're probably like, yeah, a guy's going to tell me I have like a great butt and like he wants to have sex with me like Mm -hmm. every two seconds on a dating app. But when you're new to it, like having that boost of seeing yourself through the mirror of Mm -hmm. someone else, Mm -hmm. um, was like, Whoa, like Mm -hmm. I still got it. Like someone thinks I'm sexy. Like I started listening to like Beyonce and my headphones walking down the street and like wearing like, you know, like more revealing clothes. Like I just, I had become so unsexualized. Like I had just become basically a piece of furniture because that's what I had been made to feel like. Right. Right. And your current husband like does that. He like showers you with affection and constantly. I know. I I say to my boyfriend all the time, who's the greatest, I say like, you love me more than I love me most days, you know, (sighs) which is a nice feeling, you know? Yes. And that is the, that is the the thing to aim for is that like you got someone who isn't making you feel like you're not good enough. Right. So I have a friend actually that was talking to me about how she and her boyfriend don't have sex and that she kind Mm. of was like, what the fuck is the problem Mm -hmm. here? Like, is it me? What would you say? Like in hindsight, what do you know now that you didn't know then about that? Get out. It's never going to change. Yeah. It's never going to change. It's just never going to change. That's amazing that you say that. Yeah. It's, it's probably true. Yeah. And if you're okay with it, that you're okay with it. Like maybe sex isn't that important to you, but whether he's got a low sex drive because he's stressed out from work mm-hmm. or whether he's got a low sex drive because he watches too much porn or whether he's got a low sex drive because he is just straight cheating on you, like the, like all of those reasons are not enough. enough. Right. Yeah. Enough to leave. So what would you tell yourself before your divorce? Like if you could go back, what's some advice you'd give to Katie then? Oh God. I would say that everything is going to be amazing on the other side. And it seems impossible. It seems like you have to stay. It seems like this is just what life is. It seems like it's too scary on the other side and that it, and that like the other side, you know, it's the devil, you know, but if, if I were still living in that place, I, I think, I don't know, I, the stress and the fear and... Uh, do you think you rushed into marriage or do you think you like felt... We're together for... We're together like for... Like 11 years. Yeah. for Yeah. No. I was 30, 34. Oh my God. So it was like your person, you thought. Like you were like, okay, we're done. Signed, yeah, sealed, like delivered. this guy is like a fucking handful, but like I put in the work. Just like lost yourself. A little bit yes, also along totally. the way. That's yeah. exactly it. Is everything went into him and nothing went into me. Yeah. I mean, I can understand that. Yeah, it's it's hard because I think so many people get married early and then you always mm-hmm. feel like you're old. You know what I mean? No matter what age yes, you are, you like you always feel like you're old. Yeah, you're just like, it's too late for me. Like if I'm 27, yeah, it's, it's too late too for late me for or you. whatever. It's I never <laughs> too late for you. Right. No. And you are a perfect it's example not. of that. I know. I know. You really it. are. You really are. Yeah. So what, what, how did the divorce change you? It made me less judgmental. Mm, of other people? hmm mm-hmm. I think I was, I think I used to be much more judgmental. And I think it kind of like opened up my eyes to like different ways of life. Like that just because you're married doesn't mean you're happy. Just because you have kids mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're happy. Just because you're single or like none of these things, they're all personal choices. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like your happiness is really up to you. Yeah. So how did you meet your husband? Bumble. 
Bumble. Wow. Give yeah. it up for Bumble. That's incredible. <laughs> did you make the first move, so to speak? I mean, the first the, move. Well, does and the, I does was... the woman have to do it, right? Yes. The whole thing? Yeah. I've been out of the dating game since I was 20. So help me out here. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, and I really thought, because that's the thing you just think, well, I'll never have to do this again. Right. Right. Yeah. And you just like let that piece part of you die, you know? Yes. But it's it's refreshing to know that that piece is just still there inside yeah, you. Yeah, I'll say. If you need it. So you like, you know, wrote him, said like, hi. And yeah, then- we, yeah. Well, we met on Valentine's Day, actually. Oh, controversial. Um, he, oh, yes. He, wow. well, here's the thing. Most men, I feel like, avoid all women on the 13th and 14th. Like if they're I, single. <laughs> No, I was <laughs> looking for a Valentine's Day hookup because I was like, I'm alone. Right. This guy lives in Queens. I was very right. into like a blue collar vibe. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this this man is like a bearded Queens man. Yeah. Kind of I'll the opposite of like what you wanted before. Like you yes. wanted something totally yes, different. Yes. Yeah. yes. So um, I invited him over like with no intention of seeing him again. And by the end of the night, he was like, well, I'm going to delete the app and I don't think I want to date. Yeah. He was like, I don't, I would not like to date anyone else. And I was like, well, you should keep the app because I don't think we're ever going to see each other again. And like, he was like, no, I think we're good. That's amazing. And that's kind of like how the relationship went. He just kept showing up. And I was like, you don't understand. I'm like trying to date a guy with a plane. Like I just had... I had all these like things that I was bringing with me. And then like slowly I just realized that I would be on dates and I would be like, I hate this person. I just want to be home. Right. With John. And, um, we did, we, we like, after like four months of me fighting it, like I was like, okay, let's go on a date. And then we did. And then here you are. Yeah. How long have you guys been together? And are you married? You're married, yeah? We're married. Oh. Yeah, we got married um, in June of 2019. Oh, amazing. Well, yeah. that, I love that little happy ending. That's a perfect place for us to take a break for now. Okay. <laughs> we'll be right back. So between your divorce, which was understandably very hard on your self-esteem, to dating and then ultimately finding your new husband. Yes. I want to ask you how that affected your relationship with your body. What's your relationship with your body like today? So here's the thing. I think my relationship with my body used to be a constant presence, mm-hmm. um, constant assessment. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you had this for lunch. You should probably do this for like, you should have this for dinner. Like, oh, why'd you have that? Like just a constant negotiation with myself. Mm-hmm. And I don't actually think about my body anymore mm-hmm. in that way. Yeah. Which is extremely freeing and not easy to do. It's much more of just like a factual viewpoint. Yeah. And less of like, it's there's less emotion tied to the body. Right. So would you say that like body, like your body image and all of that was kind of like the biggest insecurity of yours throughout your life or like the most consistent insecurity? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when do you feel like you first started to notice your body? Like count calories or when did you first start to, you know, assessing your body? I was nine. When you were yeah. nine. Yeah. Which is unfortunately not that really sense. that uncommon. Not at of all. Of like a time. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Like did you have boobs at nine? I think that makes yes. a difference. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's like when you go through puberty too. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. when do you feel like after your divorce and after you found your husband, you know, you've been through so much, when do you feel like you fully felt when you first started to feel comfortable in your skin? I started to feel, so I, so I actually, I started my blog journey while I was still married. And I think that that was like the, I don't know how to describe it, like the light bulb moment, because I was featured on a fashion blog and all the comments on the fashion blog were all about how they were so excited to see a body like mine that looked like Mm -hmm. theirs on a fashion blog. And I, that moment for me was like, holy shit, I should do this. Like I should be the person that people can look at and say, that looks like me. Yes. So that's why I started my, my Instagram. Mm -hmm. And, um, it really though started as more of like a shopping thing. Like I was like, I was like, well here, I can help you find clothes in bigger sizes. Mm -hmm. And then it was, it was through the divorce back into the, like working on myself and the dating kind of stuff that I really accepted my body and, and celebrated it. Yeah. What about like, as far as mentally, like who you are, when did you feel like you knew who you were? Or have you always felt like you knew? You know what? I, I'm like, I do. It's sad. I did know who I was. Yeah. And then I got very lost. And then I came back. Right. That's beautiful. Like, what's something that still is like a punch to the gut? Like, what still gets to you? I have a lot of work jealousy. Yeah. Issues. Same. <laughs> Same. We all do. I'm like, yes, let's talk about it. Let's go there. I'm like, I don't care if she has a six pack. It's much more like, how did her company get acquired this fast right. or why do they have like the money to do this big display at target kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, that's because we choose to run mega babe in a, in a bootstrappy way. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have funding. We don't have big fancy investors. It really, we're a hundred percent owners and um, it's incredible what you've done. Sorry. Just th- thank you. Yes, it is. It's thank unbelievable. You. you built it out of nothing. My parents' garage. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yes, with a product that people told me wasn't necessary and that was too niche to really crack into the market. Um, and I, I really, I think that I get more more caught up in a competitive snare, which mm-hmm. ultimately, if you really dismantle it, just just is, oh man, it's all it all goes back to the patriarchy. Yes, 100%. Right? Uh, of course. Yeah, because women were just, we're trained that there's only so so many spots for us in the, in the playing field. Mm-hmm. And so we have to compete versus, I don't know if men look yeah, at they, other men and say, I don't know if they do that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's far less than we do for sure, because we compare every little thing about, yes. you know, it's just terrible. And you're right. It is a patriarchy issue, but how do you deal with that? Like, how do you cope? I don't, I don't do it very well. Yeah. It's something either. I'm working on. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I'm not, I don't have the answer for that. Yeah. Good. I'll let you know what I do. Though. Yeah, please, please respond back when you do. Because winning isn't even the answer. Mm-hmm. And I, you know what, you know what I think it might be is that um, I think that if you can turn some of those feelings into support, which is what I try to do. And I just try to be as supportive as I can. Yeah. You promote female founders and stuff. Yeah. That, that generates a positive feeling and Mm -hmm. a more supportive environment. So maybe that's how I'm subconsciously doing it. Or like someone just sent me their book, their cookbook last week. And I don't have a relationship with this woman, but like, I just cooked something from it last night. I'm going to post about it. 
tomorrow because like, I'm just, you're just trying to be supportive. Yes. Yeah. So how does that relate to like your negative self-talk? Do you have a lot of negative self-talk or have you kind of wrangled it? No. Is it better now? I don't. I have, I have wrangled it. And I think I've wrangled it by, by, by the two things, which is kind of addressing the accepting my body as it is Mm -hmm. and that my body may change and I may lose weight and I may gain weight and Mm -hmm. like just that kind of accepting that journey. And, um, and also I, like, I, I mentioned Botox before we got officially on the thing. Like, I don't mind, like get a nose job, get a boob job, like get Botox, get whatever you want. Yeah. But like, it's not going to solve your issues. Right. I'm like, I'm going to out myself. We talked about Botox before this. So yes, (laughs) I know you're being very sweet and not mentioning my Botox, but yes, no, it's true. Um, but how has your relationship with your body changed over the years? Like, how was your relationship with it when you were 25? That was and mean. You, you were mean to it. Just like. Yeah. Like you said, like you were policing yourself all the time. Like Yes. Yeah. And I was like, well, he doesn't like you because you're fat. And you didn't get that because you're fat. And they don't want to talk to you because you're fat. Like. Everything uh, just was because yeah. of. And, and TBH, like, I was I, was I fat? No. Right. It was like a size 12. Like. Right. Which is just like the smallest my frame could handle. Yeah. Like it's just, it. I have a, I'm a big girl. I'm you know Wisconsin girl, like 5'11". I have big God hands, bless. big bones. Yes. Like that's it. Like yeah. that's. Yeah. Hmm. You know, it's interesting. The other day, like I got out of the shower and I went into my closet and there's like a big mirror in there. And I like took off my towel and I began like what I evidently do every time I shower, which is like I take off my towel and I assess my body. And I didn't even know that I did it, you know? Wow. I totally did. It was so subconscious because it's like I am getting my clothes in my closet. You know, I do have to be naked at a certain point. But I was standing there and like looking for a good like two minutes being like, okay, that's wrong. That's wrong. Mm. And then the other day I was like, I don't want I don't feel like doing that today. And of course, I'm going to do it again like a hundred other times. But it was just kind of that moment of being like, no, today we're going to skip it and see like yeah. what your day looks like otherwise. You yes. Know, it's hard. That's great. Yeah. I'm, I'm making very slow steps, but it's hard because like we do those subconscious. I've probably been doing that since I was 13, of you know, course. like just yes. standing there and being like, that's wrong. That's wrong. Fix that. And it's, it's hard, but I don't think like, I, I th- the thing I love about you is that like, there's no toxic positivity about what you do. You know, there's nothing that's like, you have to go into the mirror and say like, you're fucking fantastic every day. Like, I don't like that. Yeah. That's like not my vibe. I can't do it. You know, but I think like you have such a real confidence, you know, which is really cool. Well, the the affirmations, they work for some people, but it's just not my brand. It's not who I am. And it's, it's too cheesy for me. And I, I'm more like, okay, let's just move on. Yeah, let's let's just yeah, move on. We have on. more to do. Yeah. 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 So have you gone on crazy fad diets before? Everything. Anything. You've done everything. Yeah. Everything. When do you mostly do that? Oh, I, man, in my 20s, I did a lot of like expensive delivery services for food mm-hmm. to like lose a quick 10. Mm-hmm. Um. And I did, I've done like the juice cleanses I've done. Mm-hmm. Oh God. I sat, I sat on a plane next to a woman on the way home from LA when I was like 22 and I became macrobiotic for like six months. Cause she was like, it's wow. just, yes. And 
also what I find what's interesting is, so again, I mentioned I'm tall and big boned and I get a lot of public comments around about my body. I always mm-hmm. have. Mm-hmm. I remember I was, this is, we're back in LA and I was, I was on my way to physique 57 and a woman stopped me and said, honey, I can see you're really trying to stay fit, but it's going to come down to food for you. And I always carry a hard boiled egg in my bag and you should too. I'm like, I have no words. Who stopped you on the fucking street and said that, first of all? <laughs> well, I was in what Beverly mentally Hills. ill woman? That's I don't know. Insane. I was right by Saks. I know. I, I'm telling you that I just, like, these types of comments are have always been very present in my life. I, yeah. And not to, like, I'm not like, this isn't like me plugging my book, but. Please um, do. I do. Yeah. I have a book coming out um, in May called Body Talk. And it's not a memoir. It's not me telling my story. It's. My story is included in it, but what it really is, is a workbook to get women thinking about the why and why they feel so bad about their body and when it started and like basically how do we get out of it and how do we move on so that we can do so much more with our brain space than ask yourself why you had a cookie at lunch. Right, right. I think, you know, the thing I want to ask you about is it, it sounds interlaced with a lot of shame. Right? Like, yes. it, do you think it's it's mostly like shame based, right? Yes. Yes. It is shame based. Yeah. I feel like it's, I mean, maybe that's an obvious. You're good at this. Because what I thought about when I was doing all my research about you is like, what does it do psychologically to a woman to not have their size included in in major brands? You know, like, what is the psychological damage there? Yes. It's crazy. You're good at this. Yes. Thank you. That's it. Is that you, you learn that you're not really welcome and that you're wrong and your body's not normal. You like that you don't fit literally and figuratively. Yes. And, and to be, and to, it's just those moments. I can't tell you that those moments where you where which has happened to me like a hundred times where you go into a store and you say, do you have this in a 14? Do you have this in a 16? And the well-meaning and sometimes not well-meaning salesperson is like, no. Yeah. Like, well, you can go online. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, okay. Thanks. Um, Thank you. And then it's just like it, it, those interactions are, are, they chip away at your light. Totally. Which is why it's so awesome that you do things like, what does it make my size? Mm-hmm. Like, like the super size, the look. Can you explain yeah. those things a little bit for people yes, that might make, not know? Yes. Make my size is something that I started about a year and a half ago where I will just try on the biggest size a brand makes and I will, sh- and I just visibly show how far away it is from fitting onto my body. And this is important because I used to go into a store and it, I, and clothes were too small for me and I would cry or of I course. would be like, Oh my God, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, I can't believe like this is, you know, and you, and you leave with the blame and the shame. Mm-hmm. And what make my size does is it takes the blame off of you and it asks the designer and the the brand, it asks them, what's wrong with you? Like, why aren't you making this, why aren't you making this very normal size? Like, like, why are you a mass, you know, a mass market brand who's only catering to 40% of the population? Right. No, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, what are the brand's reason? Like, what's the defense? Why do they? Cost. Like, oh, okay. 
they love to talk about cost and cost right. is cost is something to hide behind. I mean, yes, it's expensive to roll out uh, like a whole new side range. Yes. You need to properly do it by cutting on a new model, but most of these companies, they have plenty of money. Right. That's what I was going to say. Like, you're not talking to just like mom and pop shops. You're talking to like, you changed like Veronica Beard, right? And yes, like all these other big brands, they have the capital yes. to do it. They just they do. And Tanya Taylor has been very um, open about that. She's she's posted many things about like, here's actually what it costs yeah. to to expand your size collection or your size range. But the fact is, when you boil it down, is that a lot of designers don't want to mm-hmm. have big girls in their clothes, and they don't think that the girls look good and. It's fucked up. They think they're promoting obesity. They think that they're it, that it's not their look. Like they just like the fashion industry looks at a size fourteen and says like it, it's too big. I mean, even Gwyneth, who I'm a huge Goop fan and I'm a huge Gwyneth Paltrow fan, um, she said the other day that yeah, like we make our clothes up to a fourteen because there actually is like an, an audience for that. And I was like, no, Gwyneth, Gwyneth, Gwyneth. There's way more than a 14. Like, right. yes, like you're talking to the, yes, you're talking to the average, smaller than the average size in this country. So, so do you find you have to like teach people like kind constantly of start from the ground up? Yes. Like they really don't constantly. understand what you an average them, person you have to looks teach like. teach them again. Yeah. Like that you really, like you get into an organization because I do, I do consult and I go in and then. There, it's like so easy to see it. And I'm like, well, you launched the size. So right. what's your social rollout? Like, right. are you going to put some plus size girls on your feed? And yeah. it's like, oh, should we? And I'm like, what are you talking? <sighs> like, it's, it's yeah. there. It's not, it's sometimes it's so obvious. And you're like, what are you doing? Right. Yeah. Like I love when you um, did that Instagram, like whatever IGTV or something. And you were talking about how you went to an athletic company, like something influencer thing. Yes. And they didn't even, they didn't have your size and just like yes. what even, like you were talent invited to that thing. Yes. And like that you still had that experience of like what's wrong with me? Like why didn't you prepare for me? Like you just feel othered. Yes. And everyone was in that I think everyone was in some sort of like colorful outfit and they kind of handed me like black stretch pants and were like yeah. these could work and I'm like get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Like, like unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Amanda Klutz actually she was teaching that class and she messaged me after and was like I, I ironically have been in those situations. This woman's a toothpick. Yeah. And she's like, yes. She was like, I, one time I had, right after I had my baby, I like went to go teach a class and they brought a size that was like so small and I had to wear it. And like Mm -hmm. the, 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 the body, the, (laughs) it's intense. Cause it really, like, that's what I wanted to ask you is, you know, those days where you try on 27 things in your closet and like nothing fits right. Maybe you gained a little weight. I always like to think that my jeans shrunk in the dryer. That's my favorite. (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, how weird. These must have just shrunk so much. You know, I always like, I truly always convince myself of that. But how, like, do you feel a lot of pressure because you are that person now that everyone kind of like you are this like beacon of light about like body positivity and everything. Do you still have days where you're like, I, I loathe myself today because like I didn't, or like you're just frustrated from not fitting in clothes or like. I'm, I definitely have, I have frustrated feelings. I have gained weight in the quarantine. Like I have Same. had moments in this time where like, in, even in Florida, I've noticed subconsciously that I've been wearing one pieces more. Mm-hmm. And then I had to dig into that the other day. 
And I was like, Like psychologically, why? yeah. Yeah. I'm like, why am I wearing only one pieces? Why aren't I wearing any of these bikinis right now? Right. So, yeah. So then you got to you gotta put on the bikini because the mm-hmm. truth is no one notices the difference eight pounds or not eight right. pounds. Like no one is, look, no one can notice that difference on my body. Right. I think so many people do the thing where they're like, okay, I will be happy five pounds from now. I will be happy 20 pounds from now. I'll be happy 30 pounds from now. Did you ever do that? Constantly. And, and there, and when, what we hear constantly on in my DMS and comments is that 50% of my followers are quote unquote straight size women. So they're like under a size 12. Mm. That's called straight size. That's called straight size. Interesting. Nothing makes sense. Yeah. None of the labeling makes sense. Yeah. It's just that there's no destination with size. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're just never going to get there. Right. Right. And even if you do, like it has nothing to do with how happy you'll be. Exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like you're going to get so sure you can you can shrink yourself down to whatever size you want to be in mm-hmm. by whatever means you need to do it in. But it doesn't it doesn't mean that you're going to feel satisfied with your body. Right. Yeah. I've heard you say that you think it's about the body and your relationship with your body. When in reality, it's yeah. so much deeper psychologically yeah. than that. And I think that's really interesting. Do you weigh yourself? I do. You do. I yeah. like do not. I will. I won't. I, do. I don't know why. What are your thoughts on weighing yourself? Because <sighs> I think the de- I think that there's one side to this that doesn't get discussed very much is when you accept your body, and this is something I'm I am working on, which is like making sure that I eat in a way that is healthful mm-hmm. and beneficial, and like mm-hmm. bringing good things into my body as well as like things that I love, like sweet treats. Right. So I think that that is something that I do keep an eye on, and I keep the I do weigh myself because I gotta I gotta keep it real. Yeah, that's I th- that's important. Yeah, I think for me it's just like I remember being in high school and there was this girl that was like we didn't look alike, but like we were same height and whatever. And I would weigh myself all the time in high school. And she one time was like, yeah, I weigh 105 pounds or something. And I was like, I don't weigh that. And that made me crazy. You know what I mean? But like the number thing kind of does a weird psychological thing to me. Yes. And if, and if the, if the number in your genes is going to bother you, then you shouldn't look at the number on your scale. Exactly. Oh, that's great. I love that. That's so true. That's the thing. Like people will cut out, they'll cut out an extra large because they like don't want to see it. But I don't, I don't have that. You're about like pure acceptance. Yes. I'm pure acceptance, but I do need to like make sure that I'm not going into a place that feels more like realistically, like, I mean, I, we're getting very real. I weigh, I weigh like 275 pounds right now. Mm -hmm. So like for me, I have a, I have like a, place that I think I need to get down to, to like avoid being Mm pre-diabetic or, um, like there are certain health things Mm -hmm. like that in it that are part of the conversation. So I do keep the scale around for like more of like a medical reality check. Mm -hmm. If that, if that is like, no, that makes sense. That that definitely makes sense. Because do you feel like pressure because you've created this audience and you have this, you know, reputation, like, do you feel like, do people punish you when you say like, oh, I'm trying to like lose some weight or like. I don't talk about weight. You and, don't? Okay. And, and maybe you may, you could tell me if you think that I should. But no, I love, I mean, I love, whatever you're doing is great. I just think that you can get 
information and weight journey talk from yeah. 2 million other places. It's and true. the one thing that you can get from my site is that I'm never going to talk about weight. I love that. I do. I really love that. Because weight, it truly, like, it, you don't take into account muscle mass or no. any. You know what I mean? It's just like this number. And then what? So you can share it? Like, so you can just, like, for what? You know? I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So I kind of want to talk to you about, you know, I have so many friends that are plus size. And is, I'm like, these words are so stupid and oh, crazy. The, the labels are insane. It's yes. like, yeah, I feel like such an ass saying that. But unfortunately, these are the only words we have to choose from. But I really love what you say about not being a type, you know, in dating. Like, you might just not be someone's type. And, like, that's okay. Yes. You know, can you elaborate on yes. that a little bit? Yes. Well, I think we've gotten into, like, a weird place with, like, you <laughs> must be accepting of all types in dating and I I'm I'm very serious about the fact that like I do have a type I my type mm -hmm. is like a chubby bearded man mm -hmm. so like and and I am going to be someone's type and like a little skinny blonde girl is not going to be someone's mm -hmm. type so it's it's I think that it's okay to it's okay if not everyone if you're not everyone's cup of tea I don't know if I answered that correctly no you definitely did I have friends that even on their like dating profiles, they're like, I feel like I'm catfishing the guy because like my pictures are from college and I was 20 pounds lighter then. And then I'm going to show up like there's a lot of insecurity there. But why are you using a 20? A, a That's from the problem. That's the problem, yeah. isn't it? That's yeah. my thing. I, I'm very big into showing um, your full, you got to show it all, show them the body, show them what you look like. I never understand these girls who have like a sunglass photo in their profile. And then yeah. they've got like a couple close-ups and then a full body from five years ago. And I'm like, right. when do you, what do you think is going to happen when you meet? Like, right. Like who are you hiding from? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and also like, you don't look that different. So right. I don't know. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Do you get a lot of questions about dating? I feel like people I do. Would, yeah. Because it's yes. pretty I mean, miraculous. I love talking about dating. Do you? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty incredible. Like that you did you go on any horrible dates before you found your husband? Constantly. Constantly. Yes. And did anyone yeah, ever I make met... it about weight? Like why it didn't work? Or was it totally. a totally issue? Yes. Yes. Damn. And that was like hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think Bumble has this new policy now, not that I work for Bumble because I don't, trust me, I try. <laughs> um, but Bumble has a new policy now where if you body shame someone, so if you say like, you're too short, you're too fat, like if you say like rude things about someone's body, then you get kicked off of Bumble, I didn't even know you were allowed to comment. Cool. That's how, yeah. out, of, that's how like, out of the game I am. If you're talking to someone and they start chatting with you and they're like, are you like fat or just like... Like, is this how you look now? Are you fatter than your photos? Like those types of things, which are, which happen. And oh. I've had, like, I, I remember I yeah. went on like three dates with a guy and he was like, I'm just not attracted to you. And that was hard. And I, and another one, which was like very upfront and there's yeah. like something to be said about that. And then same thing. I had another one who was like, I was trying it out, but I, you know, I like a, I like a fit yeah. girl. And I was like, yeah. Okay. Like, Yeah. Yes. Ugh, give yeah. me a break. That's hard, I would imagine. Totally but I think hard. it's like what I'm trying to get at is like you have those moments and then somehow you're able to 
hop back on Instagram and like, you know, it's, it's unbelievable. Well, you, like truly, I do? admire it, you know, because I have like memories of someone calling me a whale when I was in seventh grade that I, that still comes up like as sh- in my shame spirals. You know what I mean? It like reminds me and I'm like, oh my God. It is totally hard to let go. And I think things, things I have a hard time letting go of are probably more in my former marriage. Like I, I, listen, I'm not perfect. Like I have a lot of things that I am still swirling around in my brain, but when it comes to the body stuff, it's just, it's the one category that I have really figured out, I guess, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. <laughs> Cause they, they, we have so many demons, luckily. Many things to like feel bad about, but I, yeah, that one for me, it's just, <laughs> yes. And I think that just to touch back on the divorce, and that is the mindset. It's no matter what the thing is that you're going through, you have a choice and you like bad shit is going to happen to you Mm. in your life. Mm -hmm. And uh, you just, you have a choice on how you're going to deal with it. Absolutely. So we're going to take another quick break and we'll be right back. So I want to talk to you about anxiety so badly. Great. (laughs) because I love talking about anxiety. I think people that have anxiety love talking about it. Or maybe they don't, obviously. There are some darker parts to it, obviously. But when did your anxiety start? It's it's fucking horrible. It's the worst. (sighs) Well, it's like, where do I start with you? Do I start, do I go all the way back? Yeah, let's go. go No, I I think I'll keep it in the more relevant present, which is that (laughs) I started having anxiety attacks in college. Me too. Which centered around guilt, Um, shame and Mm -hmm. like this feeling that I had done something wrong. So it Mm. just, so it was like, those were the, that's the perfect mix of things that would happen. And then recipe. Yes. And then it would end up like, you're alone, you're alone, you're alone, you're alone. Mm -hmm. So did you have panic attacks? Yes. Like, is that how they started? Yes. Okay. So it started at night. I don't yeah. know. Do you have panic attacks during the day or? So or? I don't, it's so weird. I don't have them as much. And like, I have shame, like, like crazy anxiety nights. Like I had one on Monday, like where I was just like mm-hmm. everything, like everything I did was horrible. Every, everything mm-hmm. I am is horrible. You know what I mean? Just like one of those, cr- I, I get crazy mm-hmm. anxiety like that where it's just ruminative and won't stop. But panic attacks were more, I had this like reproductive surgery and like my hormones dropped and I think like that triggered some like major panic attacks to start. Whoa. So I had like crazy ones where I was like, like I remember my boyfriend's um, brother's wedding. I was literally on the floor of this like public like restroom, like just literally laid Ugh. on the floor because it was so bad and so scary. But luckily, Ugh. like as my hormones kind of evened out, I was getting them like every fucking day. You know, it was, no, like, it was insane. Too much. Yeah, it was Mm-mm. insane. Luckily, they've kind of like, I don't, I get crazy anxiety, but it doesn't go to the place where I think I'm having a heart attack. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes, it does. So tell me, what about yours? It's a night, it's a nighttime, it's a nighttime story. And, um, and they, they, so they've morphed kind of from that, like shame moment, doing something wrong moment to more like unsafe, uh, just like unsafe, unsettled something mm-hmm. it, it's something something like that and and I basically it's like too much adrenaline and um I just start like shaking and mm-hmm. crying and then I and I can't breathe and how often do you get those not as often as I used to which is great I mean like I most recently had one 
like two weeks ago because I was really nervous about going to see my boyfriend's family with COVID. Mm-hmm. Mine has manifested itself in COVID in a lot of ways. Mm, COVID's really hard for people with yeah. anxiety. My dad has anxiety and he is, he is, I mean, it, this is, it, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really hard and people don't understand what that is. People are like, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. Right. No one understands that anxiety is not logical. Mm-hmm. No, and this, it's not. And the circular thinking is something that um, my, one of my best friends has, and it's, it's so hard because it's painful to watch. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what my boyfriend said to me on Monday. He was like, it's really hard for me to watch you do this because it's yes. like, you it's not can't. not your choice though. Yeah. It's not your choice. Yeah. But you can't talk yourself out of it either. And no one no. else can. So it's like, no. it's insane. Yeah. It's, it's hard. But like, when did you first start seeing a therapist? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, was like, it because of anxiety? Yes, it was. I was, it got to the point where I was doing a lot of like death spiral stuff. Like the sun would go down and I, no matter what I was doing, like once we went to bed. How scary I are night times for people with anxiety? Yes. Ooh. And I would just lay there and I'd be like, you're going to die. And you, and no one knows that mm-hmm. you, you don't even know you're not alive. Like these like circular thoughts. Right. And are, um, are that, yours more health-based? Like you're going to die? They're not health based. They're like conceptual. Like, it's what is it all about? Death, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Because mine never go to death. Weirdly, where are yours stopping? Or where are they? Where are they going? Mine are all about like shame and like create, mm. like over shaming myself, over analyzing mm. every aspect of my life, like is this wrong? Like looking at everything, like it's like I have negative glasses on for the day and it's so weird. And then the next morning I wake up and it's, I'm fine. And I'm like, Oh, I actually like myself. It's very weird. And it's very hard to like, I wish I could take those days and like not interact with anyone, you know, because it's so like, it's not me, you know, but, but then it's, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. So you started, when did you start seeing a therapist? When did you say? 12 years ago? 12 years ago. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, this is a guess. This is time. My timeline is very, I have no idea. <laughs> I know it's hard, but I feel like therapy is, has been the number one thing that's helped me. I obviously, I take Lexapro too. So I started that and I feel like that has Searching. helped. Yeah. yeah. But you know, antidepressants have their own whole stigma and craziness, but it helps for sure. Do you take medication when you have, Mm-mm. do you take like a, no, you don't no, take it. No, I do. I do take lorazepam do you? when I have an anxiety attack. Yes. I only don't because it got to a point where I was prescribed that when I was first having the panic attacks yeah. and it was like, I was on it more often than I was not because oh, I was like, yeah. I was having so many, like, you know what I mean? I think that's like where Xanax and all of those things can get hairy. Like people don't like they, you think that they're like, okay, whenever you feel anxious, cause that's how they're prescribed. And then you're like, wait, I'm stressed about this meeting. No, Should I take no, it now? No, you no. know, it's that, like, yes, this is how my friend takes it. And I'm like, yeah. this isn't how it works. It's exactly. like when you're, when you're physically unable to, right. like when you're in that physical rock bottom for me, that's when it's time to take a lorazepam. And I, I, not when you're like, I feel weird about this phone call. Yes. <laughs> And then, yes, like, the rebound anxiety from it got mm-hmm. so severe. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I was just having even, like, harsher panic attacks. So it's, like, I just now I, I have, like, so many therapy, like, tips and tricks and things, like, that I use to, like, help me. Obviously, like, so much breathing and everything and being yeah. on Lexapro. But I, yes. I'm always curious how other people cope with theirs because it's super intrusive and upsetting, yes. like, when you're going down that. What have yes. you found I, helpful? Um, I I have this new meditation that I put on. It's like this, 
it's her name is Mary Maddox. Mm-hmm. And she does a, she does like an emergency SOS panic attack meditation. It's like 11 minutes long. Wow. I'm going to look that up after this. It's on um, Insight Timer. Okay. And I, I listened to that and that has really, that one will like kind of bring me back to earth. Yeah. I don't have panic attacks that often where it's like I have to worry about lorazepam becoming an issue, but I will take a lorazepam. Like, so I'll pop a lorazepam, I'll lay down, I'll do my Mary Maddox, mm-hmm. and then at least my breathing gets to a place where I'm not like in a heart attack zone. And then, um, but it's, it's so hard. It's hard for the people around you. My, like my husband's never dealt with anything with anxiety. He doesn't know anything about it. And, you know, suddenly this person who who's like normal in your life is suddenly like on the floor, like in tears and, and you don't know what to do. Yeah. And I didn't get it. Like before I had it, I did not get it. Like I didn't get like, because you'd think of it as stress because it's so you it's used interchangeably, like with stress in our culture, yeah. you know what I mean? Like we say like, Oh, I'm having anxiety. Like when you're not, right. I do it too yes. all the time. Yeah, but I, I, yeah. So when people like first told me like, Oh, I was afraid to leave. I didn't leave the house for a year because I had anxiety. I was like, that's weird. And then it happened yeah. to me and I was like, oh, I'm afraid if I leave the house, I'm going to have a panic attack and then I'll be somewhere else. And, ha-, you know, it's scary and it can be really isolating. Oh, people with anxiety love to stay home. Yeah. I mean, oh. I don't know. Do you like to stay home? I'm do I like to stay, stay home? home. Oh, yeah. my God. Do I like <laughs> to stay home? I'm like, it is my favorite. And it's something that I've like had to have radical acceptance about, you know? Yeah. Yes. Do you like to be yes. home a lot? Yes. Yeah. I, I'm like, I won't leave. At, and especially at night, like, well, during COVID's a whole different thing, but it takes a lot to get me out of the house at night. Me too. And I got to know yeah. when I'm coming home. You know, I got to have like an I, escape plan. It's, you got to have an, you got to drive. <laughs> you can't be at like yes. the will of anyone else. And do you, but do you realize, do you look back in your life and find times when you didn't know why you had to be the one? Yes. I, I don't know. I feel like I look back and I'm like, Oh, this is why I always had to drive or it had to be at my mm-hmm. house or I had to do this or like it had to be at my suggestion because I needed to be able to leave. Totally. No, a hundred percent. I'm the same way. And like COVID, like it's weird. Like I obviously need COVID to be over and like the pandemic and everything. Mm-hmm. All of us do. It's insane. But there is that. I don't know. Maybe I'm alone in this, but there is that like scary feeling in my stomach that's like, oh, shit, everyone's going to start to like go out again. And everyone's going to start to like real. And I, w- I want to go to do those things too. But it's just like, we're going to go oh, back to the to like, leave. yeah, but also back to the like, are you, were, was I invited to this? We, was, you know, this person's going oh, to this yes. event and this, fr- yes. it's like, all of that is so anxiety provoking. Yes. Please let me not sound so insensitive. I know that so many people have had a, an incredibly rough go at it. And I'm so lucky to have had my basic needs met in the pandemic, but I just have to say it has done wonders for my cortisol level and anxiety. My cortisol level halved. It went it, it decreased by 50% in the in how COVID. Did you t- where do you tell? I get my blood how- test, um, measures my cortisol level. I want to know about my cortisol level. You got to get it checked. It's just like a regular blood panel. Just ask your doctor next time you get blood. If they where can. where are are you in you're in you're in LA? Your mm-hmm. doctors are in LA. Yeah, LA doctors like do shit like that that yeah. no one else does. It's true. Like I feel like they are like measuring for like they're just more. They're I feel like they're more ahead on like paying attention to even hormonal things. Yeah, we're also like over doctored for sure. Sure, but like, I like that. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, it can be great. Yeah. 
like for yeah. knowing that your cortisol level is in half. <laughs> you know, it, it is great. So do you smoke weed? Yeah, for sure. Yes. Okay. I was like, I, another thing that I couldn't tell from your podcast, if you did or not, you know, cause like you had your, the other woman on. It'll be harder for my parents to find this episode. So it's like, I okay. feel... Yeah, you, you know feel what I'm saying? Like totally. Because like, it's not my podcast. My mom listens to every episode I have. And yes. marijuana for them is still, it's the Midwest. Like, totally. marijuana is still basically like cocaine. So yes. I'm... A closeted. Yes. Younger. Yes. But I like, it. I'm big into gummies. I yeah. need I need us to legalize it here for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I want to start a gummy weed line. You should. You absolutely you should. A hundred percent. Uh, you absolutely should. I will be your first customer. I find that it helps with anxiety a lot. Yeah. 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 I mean, obviously. But some people, it makes them more anxious. Well, yeah. I, I've never really understood that. I mean, um, I think also drinking is has so many more harmful side effects and negative additions to your personality. And I, exactly. I, I don't know that. It, yeah. Exactly. Like, no one's like, she's a mean, you know, high, high person. person. Yeah. Yeah. It's mostly like just the taboo, like people think that if you admit that you smoke weed that you're like this lazy piece of crap you know there's like so many yeah just like to giggle exactly exactly so what is a topic that you wish more women either like in your industry or in general were open about like what do you wish more women would share with each other I think I mean and I'm guilty of this too and I think that it's because there is such a stigma around it but I think people are not very open well Jesus, I think they're not open about anything. <laughs> I mean, yes. we're getting more open about <laughs> yes. a lot, a lot of things. Fertility, yeah. um, we're getting more open about that stuff. But I think even like sexuality, I feel mm-hmm. like you mentioned your friend who has a boyfriend mm-hmm. who doesn't want to have sex. And I think that it's like women are still very much in the position of being pursued and mm-hmm. not, there's still so much like stigma around like totally. women and being being in the like pursual position and not mm-hmm. someone who wants the sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went to a sex class, which was really cool. It's, it was at Loom, which Erica Chitty Cohen, I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but she created this incredible place called Loom. And they had these classes where like, we literally went over like, you know, what our turn-ons are and how everything we've ever learned about sex, especially in school, was either from a don't get pregnant perspective or don't get an STD. We always get taught by like being like, okay, don't get pregnant. Like that's basically what we're taught. You're not taught like what feels good or like that. Like it's like something like only 10% of women can orgasm from like penetration, you know, just like little things that we all, the G spot is kind of a mythical thing, you know, like all these things that we think and it's, so crazy. So I went to this class and it like totally opened my eyes and my whole world up because it was like revolutionary. For the first time I was like, oh yes, that makes sense for me. And like, I just learned so much more and like how much you have to communicate and like that women like have a hard time having spontaneous orgasm. There has to be like, you know, Mm -hmm. lead. I don't know. Just like having that knowledge was super cool for me. I see that's See, that's exactly it. I just think that we don't talk about the pleasure factor Mm -hmm. and we're not really, I guess, encouraged to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's fucked up. What is a way in which you're currently working on yourself these days? Mm. I'm getting back into therapy. Okay. I gotta keep working on some of that, that Mm -hmm. anger. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. We all do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I would say, yeah, I would say going back into therapy is probably my most active thing I'm doing right now. Yeah. And it's probably the hardest thing to admit that I still have to like deal with some issues. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's hard when you've like done the work and you put the time in and then you're like, shit, not there yet. Oh, I know. And I don't think I'll ever be. But yeah, it is hard. I don't think anyone is. Yeah. It's yeah. A, it is hard work. It really yes. is. But it like yeah. when you realize like years later after doing it, how much it helps, mm-hmm. it's it's a cool feeling to be like, oh, yes. shit, that doesn't bother me. It, it just yes. like the same way it used to be able yeah. to. Yeah. What's something that people follow you on Instagram would be surprised to know? That I smoke weed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've outed you. I've outed you. Oh, no. Yes. Okay. That's great. Me too. It's, I'll admit it too right? with you. Yes, yeah. I'm right there with you. That's okay. good. That's good. Okay, that is it. So I'm going to free you in a minute, but what is your Instagram handle? What are you working on? What can everyone look for? My Instagram handle is at Katie Storino, and my line of products, we make deodorant, we make um, butt masks. The most incredible. Masks. Yes. Yes. Um, and it's called Mega Babe, and you can, you can shop it at Target, Ulta, or MegaBabeBeauty.com. And my book, Body Talk, comes out May 25th. I can't wait. I can't wait for that. Same. I'm going to read it. I can't wait. I feel like it's going to be like the Bible. It's going to be, it's going to be incredible. I hope so. Yeah. Right. I just, I want it to change things for women. It will. Which is a big ask. No, it will for sure. Well, thank you so much for doing this with me. You're the greatest. Oh, I'm glad you had fun. Okay, good. I love talking to you so much. Same. Same. Thank you. And we're done. That's it. God, isn't she the greatest? Hopefully you guys loved that conversation as much as I did. And thank you, thank you so much for listening. As always, please rate and subscribe because that shit really, really helps. And if you want to continue the conversation, you can find me at Jade Iveen on Instagram. Have a great day and I'll see you guys next week. Same time, same place. <laughs>